Welcome to episode 226 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I'm Mike Mason, and this is the show where we get to know the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. On today's show, I talk to Stephanie Level, and Stephanie's song you just heard is a, is a very gentle and a very kind and a very great Halloween-themed song for this Halloween episode of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. It's called Shy Little Monster, and it's not just a very incredible song, which you can hear all the way through at the end of the episode, but it's also a killer book. Not killer like scary killer, just like a really, really good book that you can find on Stephanie's website and you can order for any shy little monster that you may have in your house. And Stephanie is, uh, it was a pleasure to talk to Stephanie. Let me put it that way. It was great to talk to her. She's a music therapist and she's working really hard to create community for those who work with kids. And she wants to bring people together and offer tools and offer ways that we can help our kids manage their lives and get through some stuff because stuff happens you know here's something that could happen you could be out trick-or-treating and you could trip and your candy could fly out everywhere i really hope that doesn't happen but i do hope you have a great halloween and i hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with stephanie level of course if you need to reach me mike at goodstuffpod.com is my email or the at symbol goodstuffpod on social media stay tuned all the way to the end for shy little monster Talk to you at the end of the show. We got get you. We got what good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good podcast. Oh yeah. It's a great day. I am thrilled to welcome Stephanie Level to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. Stephanie, how are you today? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. It is a total pleasure. Um, we uh, we just talked a little bit off air, and um, you got a little insight into how my brain works because I said that this would be the the last piece before we got started. I think I said that seven or eight different times. <laughs> so you are uh, you you know what you're getting yourself into here. Um, so before we really dig into things, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you right now? And and then maybe a little bit about how you got into music in general before we specifically dive into the kids' music side of what you do. Sure. So I'm currently in West Lafayette, Indiana. Um, My husband is getting his PhD at Purdue, um, and he is actually a sound engineer, uh, but he is studying ecology and studying uh, recording animal sounds. So we both went to Berklee College of Music, um, but he has gone the ecology track. Um, But we have a, a kind of an interesting you know, thing that we have going together because we work on music together. Um, But I was born and raised in Boise, Idaho, love Idaho. And um, I started playing the harp around age seven. And uh, music has been a really interesting journey for me because as a harpist, I was really uh, directed towards classical music, but it wasn't my natural 
music love, you know? Um, so every turn that I took as I, as a harpist, I was really, really searching for more of like a singer songwriter kind of style an improvisation kind of based music. And, um, I just kept kind of being directed towards classical music. So it took me uh, going to college. I went to college in Seattle uh, my very first year as a composition major, and it just wasn't the right fit for me. I was playing a lot of classical music on the harp. And so eventually I transferred to Berklee College of Music because I thought, well, at least I can study contemporary music on the harp. And when I got to Berklee, um, I, you know, just a couple of weeks before I started there, I kind of had this this uh, like moment where I realized that maybe I needed to look into music therapy. And so at Berkeley, I studied music therapy. It took one course, one class, a uh, music therapy class to make me realize that I, it was made for me. You know, it's, uh, it, it's just, it fits my personality so well. And um, I dove straight into music therapy there at Berkeley. Had a wonderful experience. Um, wonderful training there. After Berkeley, I did uh, my internship at Massachusetts General Hospital, and I've worked in children's hospitals for years as a music therapist uh, before moving to Indiana, where I now work more in like preschools. Wow. Okay. So there, that is really amazing. Are you still playing the harp at all, or, is, or is, have those days gone? I still play the harp, um, but interestingly, I, you know, it's, it got me through college. It's, it's an instrument that, you know, if I could go back, I would play the drum set. I would play the guitar. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I, I love improvisation. I love jazz. I love kind of the more... Um, it's like I'm. It's like I want to be a full band. You know, I want to play each. I want to play the bass. <laughs> I really want right. to play the bass. Um, and that's just kind of more what I feel inside my soul, music-wise. Um, but you know, I I play jazz harp. I play. I'm classically trained, but I play um, all kinds of different styles of music on the harp. But really, these days, I'm really loving playing the guitar. Wow. Okay. So. I mean, it's interesting, like when you think of the harp, not not an instrument that is like easily transportable, right? Like, right. Um, so and I've actually I don't think I've ever heard of uh, heard of jazz harp, um, but <laughs> yeah. it seems like an interest. like conceptually, I think it makes sense, right? Because you have all the notes, you have all the notes that you could possibly yes. need. Um, so you mentioned that you and your husband work together um, and he's a sound engineer. So when it comes to recording, right? So just a, a question about the, sort of how you work um, before we get into sort of more of the, the, the therapy side of things and, and the record. Um, is he the one that you worked with on this record that you that you are putting out or that is out called Move It, Move It? Um, yeah, you know, it's funny because so so I consider myself a music therapist first. And a couple of years ago, you know, it kind of occurred to me that I should start sharing my songs that I was using in music therapy with other music therapists. And then it kind of branched out to, well, maybe I should start sharing this with music educators. And then it kind of branched out, well, maybe, you know, I was getting the kids in my classes and things like that, my groups. Um, their parents were saying, oh, so-and-so came home singing this song. And do you have a recording of that song? You know, they're like, what's this little song about a monster or something like that? Mm -hmm. You know, and so I started sharing these recordings with parents and um 
you know, it wasn't really my intention to become, you know, a children's artist necessarily. Um, and it's just kind of led to that as uh, music therapists and music teachers are using the um, the songs and having great success with them and then sharing them with this, the students that they work with. And um, I have to say that just like it tickles me. I, I just love, love, love. Like my my purpose, I feel, is just providing kids with high quality music and um and bringing joy with music and so when i get a music therapist that is using my songs or a music educator that's using my songs it just makes me unbelievably happy so mm-hmm. i just try and share you know I, I give away a lot of music on my website and i actually have a um it's called the song of the month club on my website um where i send out a professionally recorded song once a month for free and um, it keeps me writing and it keeps me recording and then it just kind of it just gets that music out to more more ears you know more kids yeah so i i mean i just i have like a t- you're bringing up so much amazing uh, amazing <laughs> stuff that i that i want to hear more about but so in i guess you know i'm intrigued by music therapy um i'm intrigued yeah. as, as a music person myself like I believe in the power of music. I believe in what rhythm can do to bring a group of people together. I believe that, you know, music can influence your mood. I mean, I know there's all kinds of brain science about why music is an important thing. Um, so, and and I'm looking at the songs, and you, you mentioned Shy Little Monster, and I guess this is as good a time as any to, to sort of get into this particular piece. But, so for a song like Shy Little Monster, what is the sort of the therapeutic benefits of this one? Sure. Well, interestingly, it really isn't the song. It's, it's how the song is applied um, within a therapeutic relationship. So, um, so music therapists, uh, they have to be board certified and they have this additional training. And the, um, the last thing that music therapists are worried about is like the quality of what your client, the music that your client is producing. And, and what we are interested in is how it might help their non-musical goals. So how it might help their communication or their speech or their motor skills or their social skills. And so, for example, there are elements in the Shy Little Monster that, um, you know, just today a music therapist sent me a video of a, um, with permission from the family of a child singing the shy little monster. And this child has autism and is working on voice volume. Mm. <laughs> and in this song, there's whispering and there's a medium voice. And then there's a loud voice where the shy little monster is gaining confidence throughout the song. And, um, so that actually has a, you know, for a child who is working on something like voice volume, um, you know, some chi- some children with autism, you'll hear that they speak at a very, very loud voice volume. Um, that is an incentive for them to practice that and then be able to recognize, um, you know, what it feels like to be at a certain voice volume and then hopefully expand that into their regular language. Oh, awesome. Um, so... So I guess, you know, music therapy has a variety of different approaches. And I think that, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like this is, you know, along the, the, the lines of like life skills, right? Learning how to control your volume. So would you say that um, music therapy is beneficial for, you know, behavioral 
uh, behavioral issues that may come up for kids who, who are maybe uh, struggling in school, like for learning issues? Is it emotional issues? Like can music therapy really be used by parents as a way to reach their kids for any number of reasons? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you, that's a very good description of it. It's really all of the above. And music therapists work with, um, you know, they work with babies in the NICU. Some of the most incredible work is being done in the NICU. Um, they, they can actually incentivize NICU babies to learn how to um, suck a pacifier and eventually feed themselves with music. There is a um, music activated pacifier that oh. when they suck, they their music gets activated. And they, of course, that's pleasurable to them. And so they will continue to do that. And that's it's unbelievable work um, at, you know, starting at 28 weeks uh, yeah. for babies in the NICU. And then they work through all stages of life. Um, uh, you know, even wellness uh, through adults all the way to the end of life. And I've done quite a bit of work in hospice also oh, wow. of just helping people comfortably transfer to the next stage, you know? Mm -hmm. I do. Um, that's, uh, that's really interesting. I mean, it, it's the most powerful thing around. I, I mean, it, yes. it's just, you know, I don't think I need to convince you about this. I, feel like you, <laughs> I, feel, I think you're on board. Um, so, okay, so but we're almost at talking about the record, but I, I want to just get a, um, I want to highlight something else that you really are, um, that you really do a nice job of, which is the idea. And you brought it up a few times, you know, talking about how other music therapists or other music educators are using the work, the idea of, of community and what it means to you in terms of, mm. you know, uh, you know, we should say that your website is musicforkiddos.com and there's a, a music for kiddos community. And what, what are the, the benefits or what got you into like being so, uh, uh, the only word that really comes to mind is like holistic about your approach to this rather than being really insular and like this is my record listen to my record but you are really seems like wanting to bring people in and have a large support system for for those who are her like-minded to you and who are trying to accomplish the same stuff that you're trying to accomplish oh thank you that is so nice to say that because <laughs> um uh because that's exactly how i feel um well, one of my motivations is that working, you know, as a music therapist in a children's hospital, working as a music therapist in hospice, et cetera, I was often the only one um, in, you know, the only one, I was literally the only one in a very large hospital, the only music therapist. When you are a teacher, a music teacher at a school, you are often the only one. Um, and so all of these different jobs that I've had, um, it's, it's, my personal community is not in my everyday life. You know, people who are working with kids in the way that I'm working with kids. And so that was the main motivation of that. Um, that community is that I feel that we could all use, and in me personally, like we could all use that support of a community. And so that specific community on my website is music therapists and music educators primarily who are working with children and we, we share resources and then they ha also have access to everything I've ever written, you know, oh, nice. um, in a locked area on my website, which is a lot more than, you know, it's, it's hundreds of resources. It's a lot more than what is, you know, what I eventually released on that album. Mm-hmm. 
I got it. And and so let's let's dig into this album a little bit. It's called Move It, Move It. And we should say, I mean, just one thing. I, I love talking to like to to folks who have who have gone the Berkeley route. And uh, Berkeley School of Music in in Boston, right? Is uh, it's yeah. like it's like where a lot of folks that I listen to a lot have gone and it's not, it yeah. is not a joke it's not a drill I mean I, this is like I mean I'm gonna date myself here just so you know like what I'm talking about but like you know late 90s early 2000s like on the groovy jam band scene <laughs> like those yeah. are those are folks that I like I I know a few of them they're they're friendly with some of them and but I just have the most respect for folks that come through Berkeley because it's just a talent factory so that's really like you know that's that's part of your bona fides you're credentialed in that way um so let's uh and, and a lot of your you know what you said like the the way the music is put together the way that you think about it like this is some really high quality stuff right like this is this is well thought out everything is like crystal clear on the recording like she's just pointing out like there's nothing muddy here everything is like from your voice to the guitar to the other instruments you can hear and understand everything that's going on so a song like driving our car right it's the very first song on move it move it tell me a little bit about this one and and where it comes from Mm-hmm. Um, I think it comes from uh, just the clients that I've worked with and their fascination, like little three-year-olds and two-year-olds and their fascination with uh, cars. Absolutely. And so when I was writing that song, you know, there are some elements in it that I think um, that I put a lot of thought into. Um, there's a roller coaster ride right in the middle of the song. Yeah. Um, there's where you hit a red light in the song and you stop. And, and, you know, I really think a lot about the musical elements that um, there's a lot in music and the structure of music and the harmonic structure and the rhythmic structure that can make music really delightful. And something that I did is like during the red light when you stop, you know, music tends to exist in groupings of twos and fours and eights, right? Mm-hmm. And this specifically is in a grouping of six. Uh, this resting period is six beats. <laughs> um, and the reason that I do that is because I want it to feel unpredictable, like, oh, all of a sudden the right the light turned green and we're starting up again. But, you know, somebody listening to it might not realize that I did that. Um, some musicians do and they kind of giggle, like, because they can kind of see that it's funny, uh-huh. um, you know, and it's, it's a little... Um, but but the effect should be that while you're listening to it, all of a sudden when the light turns green, you're a little bit surprised because it doesn't fit the traditional structure mm-hmm. of a song. So um, so I try and think a lot about that in my songs, and I think it just comes from I love making kids laugh. I love making kids laugh with music because mm-hmm. music can be very funny. And over the years, I've kind of developed these things where, where with musical cadences and um, – lyrics and things like that where I can kind of get kids to stop and look at me and kind of give me a look like like what'd you just do there like a smile or maybe laugh or maybe even belly laugh you know Uh and so I try and try and get all of those elements into my songs Mm -hmm. Stephanie you just without knowing it you 100% nailed the reason why I do this podcast and why I love talking to people like you because there's so much more going on here than just a clever song about driving a car, but like to hear the reasoning behind the, you know, using six beats at this 
point because it's like, uh, you know, unexpected. Like when a light turns green, that's why I do this because I love hearing from folks like you, the real intention behind doing what they do. Um, because on the surface, it's a song about driving a car, right? But there's a lot of thought that goes into it. Okay. So cool. with, yeah. So with that in <laughs> with that in mind, why don't you, uh, we talked about Shy Little Monster and we're going to get back to that in a second, but I mean, the, this is a, the, there are 16 songs on this record, right? So why don't you highlight another one that sort of has these elements that you would use in, in when you're with a client or that you think is really um, beneficial to those who are working with kids in any sh- way, shape, or form, like if it's a calm down kind of thing or a movement kind of thing or, or one that you're particularly proud of. And I know it's hard to choose. I get it. But um, <laughs> if, <laughs> if there was one, I would love to hear a little bit more about it. Well, um, I, maybe I could tell you about the, the handful of songs that I, I feel are the most useful in live music with kids. And, um, and then also, you know, teachers are using them in classrooms. And I would say probably they're the group of movement songs in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, traditionally a movement songs song tends to be one where kids get up and dance around and kind of get their energy out, which is a really great function of it. But as I've worked with kids, I've realized that there's kind of like different categories of movement songs. So um, this gets into the the weeds a little bit, but no, there's let's do like, it. I love the weeds. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this will, this will demonstrate kind of like how my brain works a little bit, but you have this active movement song where I am completely okay with kids just dancing around and jumping around and having a really wonderful time. And then when, and my goal is always to have them help them have a wonderful time. Right. But then we have these like like I have a sitting movement song on the album. So in a classroom, you might do the active movement song, and then you might transition to a sitting movement song um, where they're still going to be able to move their bodies, but it's going to gradually bring down their arousal level, we call it, or their like, you know, just their energy. It's going to gradually bring down their energy. And then, um, and then eventually we might even transition one more song uh, like there's a song on there called the yoga song where we stretch and that's this really peaceful kind of melody that counts out and gives them musical structure for exactly when they, they can move and they can stretch um, and then move to different stretches and different yoga poses. And so the goal would be by the end of the music song or the movement songs, you know, in a classroom setting, in a music therapy setting, they would go from needing to move their bodies because they're kids to being able to sit down um, being more regulated and being able to listen. Wow. All right. Well done. Um, so we've talked about the music. Oh, I also want to, um, just since I got you here, tell me a little bit about, the, you have a, a, a sort of a, a compilation record that you're on called Illuminate, Favorite Songs of Brave Girls Club. And um, there's some, I mean, this is a killer record too. So Thank you. can just what where did this one come from and and some of the folks that you worked on and how did this one come to come to be a thing in the world that folks can listen to and they should because your version of if you want to sing out is very important and people should listen oh, to it oh that's so nice <laughs> um you know this is actually so i i came from a very musical family my my parents were in a rock band growing up which is probably why i wanted to be a drummer you know uh-huh. <laughs> but uh my dad's a drummer 
And um, so my, my, some of my earliest memories are sitting in the back of concert halls coloring while my parents had gigs. Wow. And, um, but, you know, my mom's siblings, for example, she's one of nine. Uh -huh. They can sing like nobody you'd ever believe. And, um, and I didn't realize that that was unusual until I went to Berkeley and realized that some of my cousins were, you know, world-class, absolute world-class singers. And um, so anyway, most of the people on that album are my relatives. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Was this, yeah. or were you the sort of the spearhead of this? Did you, were you the point person? Yes. Uh -huh. Yep. I, I recorded it and produced it. And, um, and it was really Brave Girls Club was a business that my aunts had. And, um, these, these were songs that, that they used. It's, it's basically like an art, a creating art business and art for the sake of community and art for the sake of, uh, bringing people together. Wow. Amazing and great song choices, you know, wonderful world. You, you can't, you can't beat that. Um, okay. You. So you've got a lot of music going on, right? You're bringing people together through community, through, through your resources for educators. This record is great, but there's all, and we talked about, we talked about shy little monster, but that's not all when it comes to shy little monster. There's a Halloween song and book that you've put together based on, the shy little monster and what so what pushed you in the direction to turn this song into into a book so uh two years ago i you know i have this song of the month club where i send out a song every month and i was searching i wanted to write a song that um you know if you kind of do a search for halloween songs for kids it's a lot of songs about pumpkins and ghosts and um, some spooky songs and monster mashings, like, you know, that's kind of, uh -huh. kind of where it ends. And I really wanted to do a Halloween song that, um, that wasn't scary because my own six-year-old daughter, uh, would get really spooked by anything scary. So I didn't, and she was four at the time. I really wanted to do something that was more kind of, um, it could be accessible to all of the kids, you know, all kids. And so I didn't want to do something spooky. And, um, and anyway, I, I, so I came up with this song, the shy little monster. I sent it out to my song of the month club, which at the time I was just getting started. So it wasn't, it wasn't very big at all, but it kind of, this was the song that kind of kickstarted everything. And, and, um, people started sharing this song and I kept hearing over and over and over again, this needs to be a book. This needs to be a book. Um, and part of the reason of that is because I had my, my dear friend, uh, create the shy little monster. Cause I needed a little image to, just when I was sending out the song, I needed a little image that went with the the song. And so um, you can see on my website all over that there's this adorable image that she did of this monster, mm -hmm. this nice, nice little monster that's dressed up in a lobster costume. <laughs> and that is the shy little monster. And be, with that image plus the song, I mean, I heard it so many times that I was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, it is. And so last year we released the book and, um, we just self-published it, my friend and I, and, um, you know, I, I it's, it's kind of crazy. It's sold, you know, just self-published, it sold probably 500 copies Amazing. and, um, and truly kids are obsessed with the shy little monster. I don't know what it is. Uh -huh. Um, I think that it's, uh, and teachers love it too, because it's, um, 
it's just something that works really well in a classroom setting, a music therapy setting. Yeah, and Halloween can be super spooky. I was just at the Spirit yes. of Halloween, the um, you know, the costume place. And I was there yeah. with my my almost eight year old daughter. Um, and you know, she's, she's like kind of into witches and like descendants and, you know, all of these kinds of things. And, and like, we went up to like, there's some like mannequin or something and it like popped to life. And I was like, man, why does it have to be so scary? Like there's little kids running around and I knew it was going to come back like at, at bedtime and she was going to be totally like freaked out. And, um, I yeah. wish, I, I wish that I had had the shy little monster to, <laughs> to sort of ease that. Um, okay. So, so there's just tons here. You've, you've done tons, right? And I feel like there's more, um, you know, it, people should, and, and we're going to, you know, you're going to have a chance to tell us about your website, but let's just say Stephanie, for the sake of, I don't know. I'm just going to throw something at the wall and see what happens here, right? Like, let's say my sister was going to have a baby, right? Like, this happens. People's sisters have babies. And I wanted to, I don't know, maybe ask you if you would write a personalized lullaby for this baby. I'm just throwing things at the wall here. Is that something that you do? (laughs) Yes, it is something that I do. Oh, Um, Yeah, it's, um, I have done it a lot in the past, um, especially I'm getting busier now. And so I have a little bit of less time, but I actually have all these lullabies that I've written that I, um, that I record children's names in. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I, you know, on my website, there is an option where, um, people can basically fill out a little questionnaire about their child, um, you know, things about them, um, their personality traits, their, you know, sweet smile and tiny toes and things like that, things that they want to highlight. And then I will send them a, a professionally recorded lullaby that is personalized for their child. So that being said, right, and if you listen to this record, you're going to hear the production values that go into it, and it sounds great. And if you were to take this option, I imagine you're going to get a beautiful lullaby that will, you'll cherish forever. So, so Stephanie, we we have covered, like, the most ground, I think. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, we, we talked books. We talked music. We talked theory. We talked community. We talked why you do it. We talked how you got into it. But... There's more, and I'm not going to give it all away because we should leave something for for our audience, right? We should leave something for folks to to learn about you, and they should dig into the work that you do a little bit more. So, if people wanted to find out more, and they should, what's like what's the website that they should go to? You have a website. What's your social media, etc.? How can people find you and follow you? So my website is musicforkiddos.com, and um. I have a lot of information, you know, for families, like just in my blog about, you know, suggestions for how to use music with your children to best support them so that they can be, you know, as successful as possible in sleeping and um, in, you know, supporting kids with, you know, school anxiety and all kinds of things like that. Um, and then I, I post a lot on Instagram and Instagram tends to be more educators and music therapists where basically throughout the day, I think of little, little guitar ditties and things like that. And I demonstrate them a lot on Instagram. Um, and then, uh, Facebook tends to be more sharing, sharing kind of resources and songs and things like that. So everywhere it's music for kiddos is my, uh, 
is my website and my Facebook and my Instagram, Music for Kiddos. Awesome. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing so much of what you do with with me and with uh, with our audience here. It was uh, amazing to talk to you, and I really, really appreciated learning from you and spending time with you. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Amazing, huh? Stephanie is great. You should check out her record, Move It, Move It, and you'll love it. There's all kinds of things to learn from it. There's ABC songs, Brushing Your Teeth songs, Raindrops, the, you know, all the raindrops. There's a medley of that in there. There's a cleanup song. I don't know about you, but my house needs a cleanup song badly. And I hope you have a very, very happy Halloween. I hope you get all of the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups that you need or that you want, or that your kid needs, that you then get to have, because my kids don't eat the peanut butter chocolate ones. They save those for me. Very nice of them. That's very nice. I do enjoy those quite a bit, but limited quantities, right? Because that's the key. Moderation, that's the key. Anyway, here is Shy Little Monster from Stephanie Level. Talk to you very, very soon. Shy little monster dressed up like a lobster to get ready for his Halloween spooks. He crouched down so low to the ground to get ready to jump up and yell boo. But he's a nice little guy and this Halloween thing isn't quite what he's used to. So he took a deep breath, but he could only whisper. The shy little monster dressed up like a lobster asked his friends to dress up too. They crouched down so low to the ground to get ready to jump up and yell boo. They waited and waited and waited and waited until more friends came through. They took a deep breath and said in a medium voice, zippity zabbity flippity flappity pippity poppity boo The shy little monster dressed up like a lobster had his friends and they all knew what to do. They crouched down so low to the ground to get ready to jump up and yell boo. They waited and waited and waited and waited until more friends came through. Then they took a deep breath and they said in a super loud voice, zippity zappity flippity flappity bippity boppity boo. Zippity zappity flippity flappity bippity boppity Stuff.